I want to talk to you today about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you from a different perspective and a different view than I've ever done before, but I think that it's relevant to where we are today. Um, in today's uh, culture in which we live, there are some people that uh, have never received the Holy Spirit because of ignorance. They don't know about the Holy Spirit. Paul went and preached in a city and he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we didn't even know there was any Holy Ghost. We didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. They were ignorant to it. But once they found out about it, they received it. And uh, then there are other people who have been around Pentecost and in, in Pentecost for many, many years. And yet they have not received this gift of the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit does not make us better than anyone else. It helps us to be a better us. We're not in competition to see who can be better than the other. We want to be the best you that you can be. Amen. Receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit is not the goal. It's the beginning. It's the, to be used by the Holy Spirit. It opens the door for us to be able to be used by the Holy Spirit. And the nine spiritual gifts that it brings and once we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, then those nine gifts can work through our lives. The Holy Spirit doesn't just exalt a person. He doesn't even exalt himself. He always exalts Jesus. Amen. The Holy Spirit doesn't make the believer more special to Jesus. The Holy Spirit makes Jesus more special to the believer. And so when we understand this, then we understand that the Holy Spirit is doing a work within us and through us and wants to do something for us, right? Uh, in John chapter 16 and verse 13, it says that, however, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, and he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Our purpose of our life is to reveal Jesus through our life. That's the reason we're here. That's the reason that we exist is so that we can show the world Jesus through our life. One writer said it like this, that we are to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. A city that cannot be hid upon a hill, right? And so that is our purpose in life, is to be the salt, be the light, be the Christ in the earth that people see. And the way that we do that is through and by the Holy Spirit. You see, there are some people today, as I said, that have never received the Holy Spirit because of ignorance. They just don't know about the Holy Spirit. But there's other people that know about the Holy Spirit, and yet they have chose not to receive the Holy Spirit. And today I want to talk to you about three levels of rejection of the Holy Spirit. 
three levels of rejection. And uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19, it simply says this. It says, do not quench the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. The word here, Paul warns the church, do not quench the spirit. The word quench here in the Greek means for uh, to exalt, uh, extinguish, or to go out, or to put out. And so he is telling us here that we are not to extinguish or to put out the Holy Spirit, right? Paul, or Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11 says, Indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who comes after me who is mightier than I, and whose shoes I am unworthy to unloose, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Right? Paul uses this word quench to describe the ability of the believer to put out, to exhaust the fire that God has sent to us. It is God will never overtake your own will. Some people, you know, in the old church, you don't see it anymore. You don't see a whole lot of things anymore. But used to be people would get zealous and they would get over rambunctious. And they would make statements like, well, I just couldn't help myself. You know, I just couldn't help it. Well, that's not biblical. Anything that you can't control is a demon. Amen. But the Bible said the spirit of a prophet is subject to the prophet. And so I have, I have a choice whether I'm going to let the fire of the Holy Spirit burn in my life or am I going to extinguish it? Am I going to put it out? And so he, he speaks to us and he says that you have the ability to, to extinguish the fire or the spirit. The Holy Spirit has more power than an atomic bomb. The Holy Spirit has more power than anything that you can imagine or think of or has ever been created, but you have the ability to put it out. This lets us know that, that we are the Holy Spirit's thermostat in the church. Some people say, well, I don't know how come the Holy Spirit doesn't move the way and I don't know how he used to move and I don't know how come the Holy Spirit don't do more and I don't, why isn't we seeing the gifts of the Spirit or why aren't we seeing the power? Well, we're the thermostat for all of that. We determine the level of the atmosphere in the house of God. How is that? Because we are the ones that control whether we're going to allow the fire, the blaze of Pentecost to be real in our life, or are we going to extinguish it in our life? And as, as we do it individually, consequently, that's going to bring the level of his presence into a corporate setting. Because if you don't have it in your, in your individual life, then you can't bring it to the corporate setting. Amen. And so we have to have it in personally so that we can bring it into corporately. And I'm going to say today that we have a wonderful church. I'm going to say that again. We have a wonderful church. But there's still a lot of room for improvement, right? Uh, we can't accept and be comfortable with the level of Holy Spirit that we are presently at. There is more of him. 
and there is more that he desires to do. And, and so we have to say, Holy Spirit, we are available, we are willing, we want the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Because we have, have you ever wondered, you, you, you go to a, a service and, and the Holy Spirit begins to speak and there is no response, there's no interpretation, there isn't nothing that uh, happens and, and it, after it happens, uh, it's like somebody has taken the oxygen out of the room. I mean, the singers try to sing, but it's dead. The preacher tries to preach, but it's just that it, we flesh it out. We try to make something, you know, keep on pushing on it, but it's dead. Why is that? It's because we, we have quenched the spirit of what the spirit wanted to do in that service. And so consequently, because we have our own agenda, we have our own way or the only thing that we want to do, and perhaps the Holy Spirit is come. And I don't even like to uh, use the term disrupt because if, we, if, God, if the Holy Spirit's interrupting us, then we must not be listening to him. Right. And so I don't like to use that terminology, but I do want to say that whenever he comes and we begin to shift something that we don't necessarily have planned or ordered, we've got to learn to flow with the spirit. <clears throat> Amen. And I, I would simply say today, and I'm not hating on nobody but the devil, but I would simply say today the art of flowing in the church is nearly lost. People have lost the art of being able to flow with what God wants to do and what the Holy Spirit wants to do. But we've got to get back to that place. We've got to get back to the place when the Holy Spirit begins to give us fresh direction that we trust him enough to say, well, that's not what I was going to do. That's not what I was going to sing. That's not what I was going to say. But Holy Spirit, I, I, I'm your vessel. I, I'm your channel. I'm your conduit. And I'll just do what you say. I'll say what you tell me to say. Amen. Amen. And so we've, we've all been in those services where that it, the Spirit has been quenched. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3, it, it tells us there, he said, my spirit will not always strive with man. God doesn't give up on us easily. He's long-suffering. Can anybody say thank God? But we continue to quench him and put him off, and he still never stops loving us. But quenching is saying not yet. We delay it. We balk. We put it off. The Holy Spirit comes to us and he says, uh, Holy Spirit tells us, go to the altar and pray. And we, and we say, well, not right now. There's nobody else up there. Right? Or he tells us to, to go talk to somebody or to go pray for someone. And by the time we decide to do it, that, that anointing for it lifted Right. He may tell us, you know, to, to give a, uh, you know, be operating in the gifts of the spirit. And and we we uh, neglect that. We say not yet, not now. And then we we finally we get finished arguing with the flesh and we say, OK, we'll do it. But by that time, it's lifted. It's gone. Nobody else has ever done that. God bless your hearts. Right. We just, we weren't willing to be, obey him at the given moment. We must be quick to do that. 
We must be quick to say yes to Holy Spirit and not quench the Spirit, right? It's not, it, it is, it, quenching says not yet. Quenching doesn't happen because people are bad. Quenching rather comes from a lack of interest, a lack of hunger, no passion. And as a result of having no interest, hunger, or passion, we easily quench the Spirit of God when it comes to do a work in us. And as, we, as a result of uh, the Spirit feels undesired, unattracted, not welcome, feels put out, feels exhaust, exhaust, uh, extinguished, right? Have you ever walked into a room of people and they weren't mean, but you could tell they didn't want you there. You could just sense it. They were nice. They were cordial. But somewhere down underneath the surface, you just knew that they really didn't want you in the room. Or worse yet is whenever you walk into a room and people are talking in code. Because they're planning something that you aren't invited to. Right? They're making plans, they're making preparations, but they don't necessarily want you to be involved in it. And so they're talking in code while you're in the room. I believe that's what happens sometimes when Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comes in the room but doesn't feel invited, doesn't feel accepted, doesn't feel wanted, doesn't, doesn't feel like that the Holy Spirit says, I, I want to, I want to be a part of your life, I want to be a part of what's going on, but, but I just don't feel accepted, I don't feel like you really want me to be a part of your life, right? I don't feel like that you're wanting me to be a part of the plans that you're getting ready to do. Right? You ever been on a date that you didn't want to be on? Somebody's friend wanted to go out with you and, and you went, but you didn't, wasn't happy about it? How many know that's miserable for everybody? Huh? And worse than going on a blind date that you don't want to be on is to, to, to run up on a teaser. They act like they like you. Right? But then you find out the only reason they're acting like you like you is because they like somebody else and they're just trying to make them jealous so they can get... Y'all ain't talking up in here today. You know what's happened to every one of us. Huh? Come on. I wonder how many times the Holy Spirit feels like we're just teasers. Huh? 
We talk these beautiful words and when uh, the worship team, Sister Amy and the worship team's leading us in worship, we talk about how we love him and how we adore him and how we want him more and more and how we desire his fire and we desire his power and we desire his goodness and we want more of him in our life and when he shows up, we say, oh, no, no, no. That's enough. Just kidding. Because we sing the songs of affection, but we don't want to be affectionate. We clap and we, because why is that? Because when he comes in power, we act like he's not there. We act as though that, 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 that we like the high energy of worship. We like the feeling that it creates and we get. And we like being the idea of being a part of the church until it requires something from us. It's called a personal relationship with God. And can I say today that real relationships are messy. Amen. You got to work on them. Right? I know a lot of people, I think I told you this back around election time, people say, I don't like being political, but every household is political. Whenever you get married, you, you decide who the president's going to be. You decide who the vice president's going to be. You decide who the secretary treasurer's going to be. Amen. And it's a big campaign for a while. Right? Until you get all, <laughs> until you get all that settled. And what I want to say today is this, is, is you know, uh, Renee and I ne next month be married 30 years. And, and, you know, we're together today because we work on that. I, she has demands and I have demands and, and we have to accept each other's, you know, demands and likes and dislikes. And, and we have to learn how to work with all of those different things, Right. And, and, and through it all, we love each other. And because we love each other, we learn how to work with each other in, in that relationship. And the Holy Spirit is no different. If you're going to follow after Christ and the Holy Spirit is going to be priority in your life, then you must work on that relationship. And he comes to us at times in our life and he says, that right there isn't any good for you. But guess what? He won't take it away from you unless you want him to. He'll let you stay your ugly self. He'll let you do things that aren't good for you. He'll let you go on with your life and doing and fulfilling the flesh as much as you want. But you're not going to experience him in the fullness of the power as long as you do that. But the moment that you say yes to him, the moment that you say yes to Holy Spirit, the moment that you say yes to your will, your way, your wants and your desires for my life, I surrender that, I submit that to you. He will, he will take those things in your life and, and uproot them and remove them so that you and he can have a greater relationship one with another. Amen. 
It's not that we don't love him. We're just not yielded to him. And we're not yielded to him because we don't trust him. We're not trusting him because we don't know him. But when you know him, you can trust him. And when you trust him, you can say, yes, Lord. What's the question? It don't matter. It's yes. Yes, Holy Spirit. Do your work in my life. Work the way you desire to work and, and fulfill it in my life, right? Because he is wanting to do that work in us. And if we know him, then we will have relationship with him. Quenching the Holy Spirit nurtures the next level. And that is the root of rejection. We quench and then we go to rejection. Rejection is not something that happens overnight. Rejection is something that is built up over time of you quenching the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. Saying not yet, not yet. I know that's not right, but not yet. And you constantly and, and a continual pattern of quenching the Holy Spirit will lead you to the next step of rejecting the Holy Spirit. Until we wake up like Samson did and find ourselves in a place and say, how has this happened to me? How has this taken place in my life? Acts chapter 7 and verse 51, he said, You stiff-necked and you uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Resist is different level than quenching. Stephen was being accused here of, of being uh, the problem. He was being accused of blaspheming. Uh, during this in this text right here and he goes in the east and it's the church it's the religious people that are the governing body that is talking to him and blaming him and saying that you are you are blaspheming and Stephen tells them wait a minute he said I'm not the problem here you are right you only hear what you want to hear and you're stiff-necked and your religious people, it, it has this uh, 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 point uh, here that what he is saying to them is that you're self-governed. You do what you want to do. And, and people that want to kill the spirit that is working on the inside of you are people that are self-governed. In other words, some folks are okay with Pentecost as long as they can understand it. But when you can't understand it, they oppose it and fight against it. Right? I've seen the Holy Spirit do some things in, in church and in the lives of people. And, and people would accredit it to the, to the devil. Now, that, that's blasphemy. Right? But what I want you to see here is, is there's some people that say, I, I believe it as long as our little peanut brain can figure it out. We're all right with it. 
We can say, well, this is why that happened. You did, they did this and they did that and this over here happened. And as a result, this happened. But when you cannot put your finger on it, when you cannot explain it anymore. But you see, what I'm concerned about is having too much stuff that we can explain. There has to be a supernatural encounter in the, in the, in fact, in the whole church, but in particular in the Pentecostal church. If we are to remain Pentecostal, then there has to be an element of the service that cannot be explained by our little finite minds. That we say, yeah, I've seen what happened, but I can't tell you what happened, but I know how it happened. Jesus did it. The Holy Spirit was at work in their life and did a thing right I want to see them come in blind and say I don't know how they got healed but they left seeing I, they came in broken but they left out full of joy they came in a sinner but they went out serving the living God they, they came in disbroken hearted and dispersed but they left rejoicing and singing because something happened supernatural in their life Do, does anybody want to see the supernatural again Because you can't explain how God works. You can't, you can't, you can't explain how somebody can come. I, I, you know, I, I've been raised up in the church for a long time. And, and so I don't know how long. I guess about 54 years. 53. And I went nine months before I was born. <clears throat> so that makes 54 years, right? But I, I went to remember going to church on and, and I always I still, you know, I'd still love Sunday night if anybody had come. But I love I love Sunday nights. Sunday mornings was okay. It was good, you know. There'd be people saved and there'd be people, you know, ministered to, and new folks would come on Sundays and mornings, and that was wonderful and, and great. But Sunday nights, it was wide open. Anything could happen on Sunday night. Right? And I probably told you that was my seat right there, the front row, right hand side. I didn't sit there because I had to. I sat there because I wanted to. Because I knew anything could happen and I wanted to see it when it did. Amen? And I knew when to move. Because if that service went over into 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, I knew to get up under the pew. Because you didn't dare fall asleep on top of it. <laughs> But if you had to go to sleep, just get up under the pew. That's the safest place in a Pentecostal church back in the day, right? But I remember, I remember, and I, and I know I'm reminiscing today, but I remember whenever you couldn't explain things. I remember men staggering in and falling into a pew drunk and come to an altar and pray and get as sober as they could be. I remember... Uh, dad taking people home at 11.30, 12 o'clock at night. They came in sober but left drunk. And they couldn't even drive home, so they towed them out to the car, put them in the car and drive them home and put them into bed. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I mean, it's for real. I remember those days. Amen.
In those days, people were gracious and kind, but they'd push on you. You know, you push on folks today, they'll go somewhere else. But you'd push, they'd push on you. Sister Henry, Sunday nights was the last call. You know, there was always a salvation call. There was a healing call. There may have be a prayer line, but the last call was this. If you have not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come and let us pray for you tonight. Anybody remember that? And those old saints, they'd push on you. They'd let you go for a, a minute. But if it didn't look like you was desiring more of God, they'd run up to you and say, Honey, have you received the Holy Spirit yet? No, ma'am, no. Why not? Huh? Joe, you've been in church now, uh, you know, six months, a year. Have you received the Holy Spirit yet? No. Well, come on. Let's go. Let's go pray. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They'd push on them. Why? Because they knew the importance to the believer of the Holy Spirit. They knew how important it was for us to be able to exist and to, to be able to have victory in our life. Was, it was important. It was, it was very important that we receive this gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we would be able to overcome the wicked. And I would submit to you today the reason why that many are weak and anemic today is because they've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit. It gives us the power to overcome the powers of the enemy. It gives us the strength to overcome. And whenever we say, well, I know that's true, but I'm just not ready for all of that. If we're not careful, we can quench it for a while, but then it turns into a resisting. And resisting is not uh, quenching. Quenching says not now, but resisting says is never. That's not for me. That's not for me. Resisting in the Greek means to oppose. This action is not saying not now. This action is saying never. Don't be bothering me. It carries with it the idea of a substitute or a replacement. In other words, it says to a Holy Spirit, I don't want what you've got, but I'll have a replacement for you. I've got something of my own. I, I, don't, I don't need what you have. I don't need to do what you're doing. But I've got a substitute for it. I've got a replacement for it. And I'm concerned about the Pentecostal church in America that we have substituted things for the Holy Spirit. We have allowed them to take priority in our life. And we have replaced him with other things. Instead of doing what the Holy Spirit asks, we create something else like it to do. So when the Holy Spirit comes and moves on me, I can say not yet for a while. And I can get away with it for a while because the Holy Spirit is long-suffering. But it will turn into a never Putting it off and putting it off will turn into a never in your life. And I create my own religion where I pick and choose what I like. 
and what I want to do and what I don't want to do. And now I'm no longer operating in the Holy Spirit, but I'm operating in the flesh wrapped in religion. And it's a dangerous place. Ephesians 4 and 3 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieve means to weep or to cry. We quench him, not yet. We resist him, not ever. And then we grieve him till he is weeping and crying, knowing what we could have, knowing what he desires to do, but we don't want it. I've had times, and it don't happen very often, but I have times whenever I knew God gave me a word for the moment. As God would give me that word, it would be like a movie screen, and I would see what God wanted to do in the service. There are times whenever God would show me particular people he wanted to minister to and to, to touch and to do a thing in their life. And not always, but I can say a lot of the times that I've went home discouraged and disappointed because I knew that what was supposed to happen in that service didn't happen. And I think I got a millisecond of what Holy Spirit feels like many times. Feeling grieved in your spirit, feeling disappointed, feeling weeping and crying. And while I'm on the subject today, I can say that I can say with great certainty that God's will has not been done in America. How do I know that? Because of the brokenness in my spirit. The grieving in my spirit of what is going on in our nation. And God is saying, this isn't what I had planned. This isn't what I, I desire. This isn't what I want to see happen. Right? But this doesn't have to be, my brothers and sisters. We don't have to resist we don't have to quench. We don't have to, to grieve the Holy Spirit. But I want him to be happy, don't you? I want him to be happy with my life. I want him to be happy with our services. I want him to be joyful and dancing over us as, as he dance, we dance for him. I want that to happen. And, that, and, and, and so for that to happen, we've got to be willing to trust him. I've had people tell me in days past, I'm afraid. I said, what are you afraid of? I said, I'm afraid of the Holy Spirit. I said, there's nothing to be afraid of. God's never gave you anything that would hurt you. 
God's never given you anything that would make you sick. He's never given you anything that would harm you. And he's given us the perfect gift of the Holy Spirit. And if he's given us that gift, then don't you think we ought to receive it? Acts chapter 2, I'm going to get ready to close, but I want to put this in your heart. Because I know this is a little different for Pentecostal message, isn't it? But I, I, I believe today that we need to understand where we're at. Don't, don't, don't quench the Spirit. Don't resist. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. But the Bible said in the day of Pentecost when it was fully come, they were in one mind and one accord. They were in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as unto a mighty rushing wind who filled all the place where they were sitting with cloven tongues of fire. It sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Amen. This is what Pentecost is to look like. This is what Pentecostal churches is to look like. Amen. We are, we are uh, some, and, and today, I don't know, I don't know, but it, it, today it, where we have gotten to, it is though that people are ashamed or embarrassed of Pentecost. It started back there in the late 80s and the 90s and in, the, in Pentecostal churches they would you know you would have services where they would usher you in and put you in a room somewhere and over there you're supposed to receive the Holy Spirit and I, I, I all my life I wonder what in the world is that supposed to be about because if it weren't for the Holy Spirit I'd be dead today amen I've probably told this story before, but I was, Renee and I, whenever we first got married, we was uh, in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, I believe it was, or Memphis, one of those big cities, and we was coming around the belt, and I was bringing back a 65 Chevy truck from uh, Louisiana, and I had it on a dolly, and I got on that beltway in about four or five lanes of traffic, and uh, all of a sudden, the, the, the driver's side wheel came off of that dolly, and uh, that other wheel was holding on to the dolly, and that truck just started whipping around. It was turning sideways in the middle of the road, and five lanes of traffic, tractor trailers on both sides of me. Amen. And I didn't start uh, going, Father God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Would thou please look down over your gate and have mercy upon your beloved today? <laughs> no, it didn't sound nothing like that. I didn't even have to think about it. I just instantly began to pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. I can't tell you how it happened. All I know is, is that truck was turning sideways in the middle of that road and I hit the brake and when I did, that truck come back around and went right on the dolly and I pulled it off the side of the road and tied it down real tight. Amen. That's what the Holy Spirit will do for you. So why would you resist him? Why would you, why would you quench him? The Holy Spirit will make you look so smart. I know because he has for me before. I didn't even know what I was doing. 
but he would give me some kind of wisdom. He would give me some kind of direction. He would, he would make me look like a genius and I didn't even know what I was doing. He'll do it because he loves us. And if we'll listen to his Holy, the Holy Spirit, he will give us wisdom and direction that's above us, beyond us. And he will give us wisdom for the very moment that we're in. And here on the day of Pentecost, this is what Pentecostal church is to look like. He said there was a wind. And so I want to give you three things and then we'll go home today. A Pentecost. First of all, there is a sound to Pentecost. The Bible said there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind. Amen. There is a sound. The sound was a sound of unity. It was oneness of heart. There was no fighting going on in the upper room. It was unity, oneness of heart. And that sound that was there was them. I don't know if they were singing songs or courses or praising God or what they were doing. But they, whatever they were doing, they were doing it in unity. And it was a sound that came from heaven. Right? That filled the house where they were sitting. It was a sound of love. And it was a sound of power, right? There's three, some things that you don't mess with. You don't mess with wind because you can't control it. You don't mess with fire because you can't control it. You don't mess with water, right? And all three of them are symbols of the Holy Spirit. Wind, fire, and rain, right? And the Holy Spirit is wanting to come in a mighty rush. He wants to come in power. He, there ought to be a sound. I'm not putting down other churches. I'm not putting down other denominations. I'm just saying to you that the Pentecost should have a sound to it. A sound of unity. A sound of love. And a sound of power. That these signs are following them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They lay hands on the sick and they shall recover they drink any deadly thing it shall not harm them these signs should be following us because there is a sound to Pentecost there's a sound the God told you before the greater the power the greater the sound right a golf cart will get you around but you can get there a whole lot faster in a jet Amen. You can, you can get around in that golf cart and that golf cart not even electrical or you don't even know it's coming. You may hear the rubber hitting the road. But you ain't going to slip up on nobody in a jet. Because they're going to know you're coming, but you're coming quick, fast, and in a hurry, right? And I want to say to you today that that power, we, we, we can't just uh, go in and expect God's power and his glory. There's going to be a sound to it. It's going to be a sound that will be strange to this world, but you should be comfortable with it. Come on, somebody. You should be comfortable with it because it is a familiar sound. I walked into McCurdy, Africa, and on Friday night, I'll never forget it. It's forever impressed upon my mind. I walked into in McCurdy, Africa, to a Friday night, all-night prayer meeting. And when I walked into that place, I felt the power and the presence of God like I had never experienced in my life. I never understood one word they were saying, but I knew 
the presence that was there. I want to tell you today, we've got to get familiar with the Spirit of God till we may not comprehend it, we may not understand it, but we know the power of God is real and we decide we're not going to resist Him, we're not going to quench Him, and we're not going to grieve Him, but we're going to say, welcome Holy Spirit, come in power, come with your sound, come with your glory and be revealed in my life, be revealed in my home, be revealed in my church, be revealed in my region. There's a sound to Pentecost. And there is a sight to Pentecost. The Bible said they saw the cloven tongues of fire and it's, and it's set upon all of them. They seen the results of Pentecost. They seen the results of the Holy Spirit. And I want to say to you today, this generation needs to see the Holy Spirit. This generation needs to see the manifest presence, what the manifest presence of God can do. Amen. What I just spoke of to you about as a child seeing happen and growing up, I, I, I believe that, that that's the reason why no matter what happens in my life, you cannot cause me to deny the Holy Spirit. Because of what I have seen, this generation's not convinced because they haven't experienced it nor seen it. But if you experience it and you see it in your life, whenever, whenever people come in, as I talked about, oppressed and depressed and all kinds of issues of their life and they leave victorious and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to see the results of living spirit-filled lives. Amen. There's a sight to it. You need to see something is different in this world. You need to see that this isn't some magical show. This isn't some manipulation of men. But this is the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work in our lives. It is doing something that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. Man is not able to do. But it is the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And we need to see that. Amen. When was the last time you seen something in church you could not explain? Isn't it time? Isn't it time to see the unexplainable? This generation needs Pentecost. This generation needs Pentecost. They need to experience Pentecost. Amen. Whenever, you know, I, I know that the Lord spoke to me, uh, and I've, I've said it here many times, the less power there is, more performance is needed. And whenever there is a lack of power, then we've got to try to make something up. And so we, we've got it with all these other things. But there's nothing that can take the place of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. People feel good in the worship. People feel good with the entertainment. People feel good with, with, with what we say, what we do, the excitement that's in the room. But are they having a, a God encounter? Are they changing? Is the Holy Spirit being imparted into their life? 
There's a sound to Pentecost. There's a sight to Pentecost. And there is a language of Pentecost. They began speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is, this is the problem, my brothers and sisters. People don't have problems with miracles. They like miracles. People don't have problems with, with the, the power of God, the gifts of the God, the gifts of the Spirit, the you know, healing, and everybody wants to be healed, and miracles, and all of those things. Those are exciting. Those are big. Those are, those are wonderful, and people don't have no problem with those whatsoever. Where they have the problem is, is this speaking in tongues. This is, this is what puts off people because they say, well, I don't understand that. Well, it's not to be understood by the natural mind because it's spirit. How can, how can you take a, a, a ugly sinner just simply hears the gospel walks this aisle, ask Jesus to forgive them, come into my life, be Savior and Lord, and they get up a new creation. Explain that to me. It's not natural. It's supernatural. Well, I don't, I don't want people thinking I'm, I'm weird. They already do. <laughs> already do so why don't you just go on and get weird you've already jumped in just go ahead and get in the deep end right just go on and go for it because you know they think that this Christian stuff is weird they think you coming to church is weird they think you tithing is weird they think you being faithful to the church and doing things and giving to the church and, and doing community events and all they think all of that's weird you're wasting your time so they already think you're weird, so why don't you just go on in the deep end? Huh? And go ahead and, and don't, you don't have to understand it with your intellect. You just have to receive it in your spirit. Right? In the beginning, the languages were all the same. I believe that. I believe everyone spoke the, the same language. But then they came to the Tower of Babel. Right? Remember that? And then they began in their own flesh. They began because God never told them to come to a one place and stand, stay there. But they found a place that they liked. How, what time is it? What time is it, Joe? Huh? Who? Oh, I got 48 minutes. <laughs> Just kidding. They came to this Tower of Babel. God told them to cover the earth, right? Be fruitful and remultiply and cover the earth. Well, they found a place that was pleasing to them. And now they start building this tower. And they said to themselves, we're going to build a tower into the heavens. And God says, I'm going to put a stop to that right there. Right? I'm going to put a stop to that. And he brings and divides their languages till they have different languages. And confusion comes upon the earth. And they divide out and begin to go into different regions or different places according to their language. Right? The day we're living in, we're once again in confusion. We have a language problem. Huh? I haven't listened to no news in a month, months and months and months, but I listen to it and I, I can't understand them. 
Because what they think is good, I don't see no good in it. What they think is a problem, I don't see no, I don't, I don't understand the problem. There, there's a language problem. There's, there's something going on in our culture and in our world that, that there is confusion. Amen? There's confusion. And that's where it was whenever the day of Pentecost came. It was chaotic. It was confusion. And, and people could not understand one another because of their different languages, their different dialects. But they all came to the upper room. And it was in the upper room whenever heaven's language came back to the earth, right? And came to the church. And, and it united them. It strengthened them. It gave them courage again until those who were weak and anemic would stand up and say uh, these men are not drunken as ye suppose seeing it's but the third hour of the day but this is that that is spoken by the prophet Joel right that in this last day I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters will prophesy your young men shall see visions your old men will dream dreams on my servants and handmaids I will that is our promise today my brothers and sisters when did the last day start Pentecost Amen. At Pentecost, the last day started and now we're living in a season of the promise of him pouring his spirit out upon all flesh. And that is our promise today. Don't allow the enemy to rob you of the language of Pentecost because when you have prayed the best that you know how to pray, the holy language that he has given you will pray through you the perfect will of the Father. When I don't know what to say, when I've come to the end of myself, I allow the Holy Spirit to pray through me knowing that I can trust Holy Spirit to pray the perfect will of God for me. Amen. And so we need his language. We need his Holy Spirit working in our lives so that he can say what needs to be said in my prayer life. Not only is it in my prayer life, it is a, but it is also in my worship. Because I'm very limited in my vocabulary. But I can praise him beyond myself. When I begin to worship him. When I begin to praise him. There is a gift that is concerning the public place. But I want to tell you today that the gift that he has given us is more for the private place than it is the public place. And whenever we operated in the private place and he flows through our life and we, this isn't, this, this, this quenching and resisting and grieving isn't just about church service. It's about our life. And whenever we no longer resist him and say, not yet. Never. And grieve him. When we, when, we, when we cease that. And we begin to open up to Holy Spirit in our lives. Personally. Then we'll have public power. Amen. There's a sound. There's a sight. And there is a language. And I don't want to. Resist him. I want to quickly embrace him. Amen. Surely don't want to quench him or resist him or grieve him. I want him to be pleased with my life. Praise God.
Amy. Say, so, Pastor, how you do that? Well, you surrender. How do you surrender? You just bring it to Jesus. The old songwriter used to sing it like this, I surrender part. Huh? I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. When we come to a place of trusting, we will come to a place where we can surrender all to him. And when we yield to him, then he begins to do this great work in our lives. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, God, for Jesus. Since your own son that I could have life and have it more abundantly. Thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit to lead me, to guide me, to talk to me about sin and righteousness. And I pray here today, Father, I know today this message may be different, but I pray that you would just use it for where we are this moment. And God, we would just do inventory of our own hearts, not my brother nor my sister, but just me. Search me, O oh God. If there's any blockades, if there's any resistance, if there's any places in my life that I've refused to allow you into, if there's things, God, that needs to go or attitudes or whatever it may be, God, in these next moments, I, I ask you that you would just let the sound and the power of the Holy Spirit be released in my life to change us in these moments. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Hallelujah. Let's stand together.